The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Granium, the new nutritional sand from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Please be warned that cattle should not drink water soon after consuming granium, or the nutritional grains in their stomach may bind together and turn into a rock-hard sandstone. However, don't worry too much. This has only happened a few thousand times. For 10% off your next order, use the code CEMENTMIXER. Hello, and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine, brought to you by Granium Nutritional Sand. Now, buying a bull can be fraught with difficulty, and ranks as one of the most stressful things a person can do, alongside moving house, getting a divorce, or being attacked by birds. It's often hard to know if you're being sold a healthy and fertile taurus, or a clapped-out old cow with a set of fake bollocks taped on. This week, I was joined by Alice Bates from the UK Livestock Market Association, who have recently published new bull-buying guidance on their website after conducting research that shows that many farmers simply don't know what to do to make sure they're buying a quality beast. I started by asking how big a problem this is. It's a huge problem. My team carried out an investigation last year which showed that of 60 bulls on display at a county fair, more than 70% of them had displayed traits which we would describe as suboptimal. In one particularly shocking case, we knelt down to inspect the goods to find that what we thought was a scrotum was in fact just a pair of tennis socks stuffed with sand. Wow, that is that is really shocking because, you know, as we were saying before we mm. started recording, the, the bollocks really are the most important part of a bull when you when you get down to brass tacks it's all about those bulls isn't it oh it really is it really the the bollocks are absolutely essential you know it's like it's like a car without wheels you know it's not a bull without the bollocks and you know it's the first thing i look at obviously you know i i, I get in there and make a quick plaster cast but you're, you're saying that actually yeah. farmers going to the the level of of trying to deceive you about those yes yes they bollocks, are creating fake bollocks yes it's deception of the darkest order. People really are. They're the things I have seen. In one case, we inspected what actually presented as a bull, and it was it was a fat deer. They'd painted it. They'd painted a deer to look like a bull. Wow. I don't know whether you're able to take that bull deer off sale when you see that, or, or did you have to let that be sold to some un- unsuspecting consumer? I had to let it be sold. The, the laws of sale are well they're legally binding by you know by their very nature and I had to let and that for me that's a case I find very very hard to let go of it was a young farmer you know making a mistake that they all have to and I had to let it go and because that farmer's you know he's taking that bull slash deer home yes He's trying to get that thing to mate with his cows oh, I mean that's a horrifying it's absolutely horrifying is, is the problem really that that people going to an auction or a, or a market don't really know how to fully look at a bull. Mm. You know, there, there's the old orthodoxy of what you should do. So look at the eyes, the shininess, yes. give the hooves a little kick, mm. stick your hand up its arse, arse yeah. uh, obviously. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, like you said, these techniques have been around for years. It's it's the classic, you know, pop the glove on or not and, and, and stick it right up there, kick the hooves and what have you. But there's, there's actually 
not that much evidence that these methods are actually of any value. You know, it might make you look like you know what you're doing with your hand up there, but you actually don't learn anything by sticking your hand up the arsehole. You, you do learn something about yourself, though, I think. Yes, yes. No, <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. It is a voyage of self-discovery, sure, but it's not going to help you buy a good ball. So what should people do? Look into their eyes. The bollocks of the face. They are the bollocks of the face. Look into the eyes. Because, well, firstly, you need to check that it's not two out-of-work actors in a suit, which, that again, happen- that happens. honestly, it is... I think actors are disgusting. I don't have time to get into it now, but I think they're... Personally, I think they should be banned from the sales arena, but that's... But how how long are those actors keeping up the charade that they are a bull? Oh, years sometimes. Really? Well, that's what I've been told. The charade often fails when they get back to the farmyard and, you know, the reality of what's going to... what has to happen sinks in. Then the joke's over. For these for these clowns, and they they run out of there. But as I've said, you know the laws of the sale, they're binding. They have they have been bought by. A they farmer. have been bought, and they have to stay there. And you know, I know there was a quite a famous case of two Rada graduates who are still on a farm on the Isle of Skye, and they will be there until they pay off. You know what they were bought for, and, and, that, there's, and there's no way they can do that because they are actors. Yes. Where they, are they going to get money from? They have from? no tangible skills. They can't produce any cows. There was quite a famous case of, um, I don't know if you've heard of him, John Travolta. Yeah. Was actually found. Inside in, a bull costume. He was found inside a bull costume and he was in the sales enclosure and luckily they were going around doing the jab test, which is where they simply jab uh, the bovines in the ribs and if it if it makes the appropriate noise, and yes, you know, certified that. So, what it. sound will an actor make if you if you jab it in the jab test? Well, they sing. They sing, and obviously Travolta, he's got some pipes, and he actually sang "Night Fever," and and that's when they thought, okay, okay. Either, either we've got a very special bull, yes, or John Travolta's in yes. there. Yes, and there had been there had been talk that he was in the area, he had been seen in a fancy dress shop. But I I was just absolutely disgusted. I just thought, how dare you come in here, mock our industry? How dare you? What is an actor like John Travolta, who I would assume is very rich, mm. what is he doing trying to pass himself off as a, as a as livestock? I don't know. I mean, the man can fly a plane. Maybe he just need you know, where else do you go once you can pilot a 747? Where else do you go? You try and impersonate a... You try and impersonate a bull, you try and get sold. You know, these actors, they'll stop at nothing to get their kicks. This was the first I'd heard about actors impersonating bulls, and I wasn't sure I could believe it. But then, the day after we recorded our interview, the front pages of all the British press were filled with the face and nude body of much-loved TV actor Philip Mushroom, the star of Beef Justice and Bankside, being hauled out of a barn a felt bull costume sagging around his knees. Philip had been found inside the bull costume on a farm in Herefordshire. He constituted the back of the bogus beast, with Lord of the Rings and flipper star Elijah Wood making up the front. When they were first caught, it was unclear whether they had actually broken any laws, but two days ago, Philip was arrested 
and charged with the crime of impersonating a farm animal, a little-used statute from the 14th century that was put into law by King Edward III to stop the practice of bulking out a dowry with unwanted infants. It's a crime that carries a penalty of either a fine of 10,000 silver groats or the punishment of having your arse filled with hot Spanish gold. And because silver groats no longer exist as currency, his arse is very literally on the line. In the face of huge public interest, Mushroom has refused to give any press interviews. Apart from one. First of all, Philip, thank you for letting me talk to you like this. I know this is a um, probably a very sensitive time for you. Sure, yeah, it's a difficult time, but I'm happy to happy to get, set the record straight. Let's get the facts straight then. Okay. Yeah. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, a young farmer called Mr. Morgan yep. found that what he thought was a bull that he'd bought at a county fair yep. was in fact you and the actor Elijah Wood inside a very realistic costume. Yeah, well, yeah. And you'd been living there for how long? Uh, five and a half months. Right. Um, so you, you admit that you were living inside a, a bull costume. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to admit that. I'm proud of it. I'm proud that I lived as a bull for five and a half months. There aren't that many people who can say that they have lived as a bull. And there aren't that many people who could say that they could. And and that is something to be proud of. So do you feel like it was an extension of your work as an actor? Yes, I think that there were there were a lot of things that felt very right about living as a bull when it first came up as an option for me. I think what most people don't really understand about this story is how one of Britain's most well-loved TV actors ended up wanting to live inside a bull costume. Well, um, I had uh, recently done the film, um, which I believe I spoke to you about uh, on this same uh, podcast, um, Bankside. Bankside the movie. And Bankside was made by Mel Gibson. And I think I told you about the concept at the time, which was very exciting to me. And I hadn't heard that it had been done before, which was it was going to be entirely in a fictional language. And Harashmu. Harashmu, yep. Um, Harashmu. Harashmu. And that that fictional language wouldn't be translated. There would be no subtitles. And who'd have thought that that kind of film wouldn't click with people? And then someone took it upon themselves to break the code of Harashmu, and I didn't really know a lot of what we were saying either, and it turns out that the message of the film wasn't that inclusive. Yes, well, we've all seen the the translations of the of the movie, the translated versions that have gone up online, pretty chilling stuff. But you must have still got paid for that, that film. All of that um, controversy came after that was released, so you must have still been paid for it. I was still I was still paid for that role, but unfortunately, at the time, there was a it coincided with a very difficult period of my personal life, which was my divorce, and and it can be very very expensive, and that sort of ruined me, and it still hurts to this day that my wife wanted to get a divorce because I didn't want to, and I really think that that should be a two way thing. You think that she should have taken that into account? Yes, I think that. If you're thinking of getting a divorce, it should be, you know, it's it's something that works both ways. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I think people will still be listening and they'll be thinking, sure, you know, he lost some money in the divorce, but you know, you're a very successful man. You've made yeah. reportedly millions and millions of pounds. Yes. You know, you don't have to give away all of your money in a in a divorce. So, 
So, so what was going on? I also had an addiction to yachts. To, to, the, to the boats, yachts? Yes, to the boats, yachts. How many did you have? I think I had, by the time the divorce was coming through, I had accrued a fleet of two or 3,000 yachts. Really? Yeah. And a lot of those yachts are very, very expensive. Some of them were small. I would treat myself to a little yacht every now and again, but you can really get hooked on them. And um, it's an escalating habit. So in the end, it doesn't matter. It, you just can't, you can't, um, you can't sate the hunger for yachts. I have to say, I've never heard of someone having a yachts problem before. Is this something that is this common? It is. It's a huge problem. I, you know, people like Barry Manilow, Elton John, they've had treatment for yacht addiction. They do their best to stay on land. Some of them even get moored um, to try and, uh, that's a type of therapy, mooring therapy to try and deal with it. But it is something that you can't in the end control. It's a disease. And I blew a lot of money buying boats that required their own staff. So, so not only are we talking about the cost of the yachts themselves, we're talking about the cost of... Yeah, that's yacht life. We're talking about the cost of crew, chefs. Chefs, people to clean inside. Cabin boys. Cabin boys, captains, and they're the most expensive of all. So tell me about an average day when you were in the the, the worst grip of your yacht problem. I would get up uh, bleary-eyed, from an all-nighter, I'd normally spend all night buying yachts, um, get up late as a result. I'd have some fruit, maybe some toast. I'd chug a pint of water because my mouth would be so dry from doing deals for yachts um, all night. And I would buy two or three yachts before lunch. Online or over the phone or what? Down at the harbour side? Online mainly. Uh, sometimes I would go on a wild bender and get myself down to Nice and just go absolutely apeshit. It's pretty hard to hear, actually, that someone so beloved to the nation was going through all this, and and we had no idea. Yeah, it was ongoing for years, and I, I you know, I, I think. When did it start? Was this? Um... Was this going on when you were making Beef Justice? Yeah, I, it started with the Beef Justice days. That was when I was able to afford it. And from there, it was a bit of a spiral. And I think it was a strain. I mean, I mean at first, my my wife liked the yacht life uh, to a degree. Um, but then when she realized that we were, you know, we were stacking up yachts um, hand over fist, she, she really, uh, she recoiled. And I think that was mainly one of the reasons for the divorce. When When did it reach your head? When did she sort of think this has gone too far now? I think it was the point where Elton John turned up at our house and he staged an intervention. David Furnish, Barry Manilow, Elton John and Whitesnake, they staged an intervention and that was when she realised the extent of the problem because... You know, if Elton's got a problem with you and your yachts, you know you've got a problem. That's rock bottom. That was rock bottom, yeah. Yeah, that was bottom feeder time. So when did um, Elijah Wood get involved with this? And and how did you first end up 
deciding to do this? He he called me and said, "I've got this thing going on. Um, it's a little, it's a little scheme that will uh, help us both out for a little while. Would you consider being a bull with me for a few months?" And I, I said, "Yes." It's all fairly innocent, really, and and. And, and, and in no way were we thinking we will usurp the bulls. We we will become, in place of bulls, they should put human beings. That's just not what. That's another thing that's been said that we were we wanted to usurp the place of bulls in society, and that is not that was not our intention. It was done with the utmost respect. What was it like living as a bull? You know, before you got caught, um, was it was it a happy time? It was uh, fairly blissful. Um, we would wander around the grasslands, um, have a little munch. We'd, we'd sleep in the barn. We'd tell each other stories, regale each other with tales of the old times, and occasionally we'd we'd sing to each other. Um, I talk about yachts quite a lot. Since you were a quarter a few days ago, what's been amazing is since then the the number of stories coming out in the press of of other actors who've have been involved in this and it seems like you have lifted the lid on something that actually is a, a bigger bigger problem i think than anyone realized you know many actors have come forward and said that they have considered going to a seamstress and saying hey put together for me a, a very realistic bull costume please yeah and you'd be surprised and the, the, there's very much a pressure on me to be a whistleblower for this whole scene, because you would, if you lifted the lid on the farms around this country, there would be actors popping up all over the place. There are not even just as bulls. And that is something that I'm not going to go much further into it, but I'm saying that this is a thing, it's real and it's here. And I should not be the scapegoat. I should not be the social pariah for this one instance because everyone's doing it. Other animals as well? Geese. You've got, you've got actors playing geese. No, I'm, already saying too much horses geese cows bulls you name it so i i'm aware that you don't want to um to 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 rumble your your fellow actors so you don't have to give any specific names but how out there currently on british farms how many of those animals are are actually actors 50 percent Well, Philip Mushroom, thank you very much for speaking to us. Thank you. And good luck. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Thanks to Philip Mushroom for that exclusive interview. His trial begins next week, and most legal experts give him little chance of going free. But he is famous, so who knows? Elijah Wood has been extradited back to the United States, where there is no specific law against impersonating a farm animal. But, as an act of goodwill, he has pledged to shake the hand of every farmer in America. It's unclear to me how he's going to manage that, but that's very much his problem. More after this. Hello, Benjamin Partridge here, the creator of the Beef and Dairy Network. Thank you for listening. It won't be long before we get back to the episode, but um, if you would please give me a few minutes of your time, that would be great. I just want to talk about how the Beef and Dairy Network is funded. Um, Every year, I get a check for $400 million from the arms industry. No, that's not true. As you probably know, the show is part of the Maximum Fun podcast network, and this week and next is Max Fun Drive, which is a two-week fundraising drive. Now, before you bang the skip button, let me promise I only talk about money uh, once a year. That's why I really like the Max Fun Drive model. We don't have to spend 
every episode going on about, you know, signing up to our Patreon or whatever. It's a once a year thing. And I won't talk about this again until 2020. And, you know, by then, by 2020, surely we'll be living in space and running on a system of galactic credits and it'll all be very different. This show will always be free to download, but it doesn't mean it's free to make. The basic message is this. If you like Beef and Dairy Network podcasts, if you think they're worth something and you'd like to support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. That's MaximumFun.org slash donate, where you can support the show by becoming a Maximum Fun monthly member. This is your chance to give back to the show in whatever amount works for you. Once you've set up your subscription on the website, you tick boxes which tell the system which Maximum Fun shows you listen to, and then your donation is equally split between them. Or if uh, Beef and Dairy Network is the only one you listen to, it'll all come our way. Making comedy, like this show, is the way I make my living. It's my job. It's not, not a hobby. And so the amount that comes in really dictates how much time I can spend on it. And since last year's fundraising drive, where so many of you decided to chip in, which was brilliant, that money has meant that now every contributor to the podcast is is paid. Um, I've been able to hire studio time and put much more of my own time into making the episode. So thank you so much to everyone who signed up last year. Personally, as I said, I really like this Max Fund model of fundraising. I only have to do this once a year. And also it means we can keep advertising to a minimum. Obviously, I do run an advert every episode, but I think one is a lot better than some podcasts which are absolutely jammed with ads and you have to wait sort of 10 minutes basically before they start doing anything because they're too busy talking about socks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so as I say, we just run the one uh, and even with that one, I try my best to make that one uh, fun. I'm slash beef. You can donate at a wide range of levels from $5 a month which for British people is something like £3.50 a month. It's basically a kind of slightly expensive coffee, all the way up to the absolute baller level of $200 a month. And not only do you get that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes with knowing that you're giving back and supporting your favourite podcasts, you also get access to special bonus episodes of every MaxFun podcast. And that, of course, includes a new Beef and Dairy bonus episode. Plus, if you sign up now, you get access to all our past bonus episodes from past max fun drives so there's um, a live show on there that i never put out on the normal feed and there's some episodes which are made up of things i really liked but i just couldn't fit into episodes because they were too long or they didn't quite fit so those are there for you to listen to if you sign up at any level and then on top of the bonus episodes there are a number of pledge gifts if you're giving ten dollars a month you receive access to the bonus episode plus an enamel pin badge um, with a design based on your favourite Max Fun show. You can choose, of course, the Beef and Dairy one, which I have to say is absolutely amazing. Um, it's a little black and white enamel pin badge, and it says Church of Eli member, and I, I can't wait for mine to arrive. For $20 a month, you get access to the bonus episode and the enamel pin badge and all that, plus a Max Fun jigsaw. For $35 a month, you get all of that, all of that, plus an engraved Max Fun coffee mug. So, to look at the full range of pledge gifts, go to MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. And there you can select the membership level that is right for you. And don't forget to check the box saying that you listen to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Your donation will come out every month until you cancel your subscription or change your credit card. So why not do it now? If you're at your computer, pause the podcast, go on MaximumFun.org, click on Donate and have a look. If you're doing something a bit more involved, if you're piloting a submarine or maybe you're you're about to give a speech in Parliament, 
you know, maybe in those situations you can um, put it off, you know, and, and have a look later in, in your own time. But do have a look. This show exists entirely because some of you guys decide to support it. And I'm always uh, amazed and very grateful that that happens. And, you know, let's keep going. There's more life in this beef world yet. I think, hopefully. I mean, you'd have thought it would have worn pretty thin by now, but I'm still enjoying myself, and I hope you are as well. All right. Thank you for listening to this slightly garbled message. And to remind you of the website once more, it's MaximumFun.org slash donate. Slash donate. You know it's coming. Slash donate. In a world where Maximum Fun podcasts are supported by their listeners, one man knows what to do. Oh my God, somebody help me. Did somebody order donate? Uh, That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? I'm not sure. Why do you need my help? I'm on MaximumFun.org slash donate, but I don't know which podcast to support. What's this one? The Beef and Dairy Network. I've never heard of that one. Me neither. Although it does feel somehow familiar. I think I thought about them in a dream once. Yes. They haunt my dreams too. It's like sometimes they're controlling me. Oh, slash donate. Slash donate. Slash donate. Now, back to our interview with Alice Bates from the UK Livestock Market Association. The body's new campaign aims to warn people about the various fraudulent activities that can happen at a bull market, but also makes clear that sometimes one can turn these problems to their advantage. Obviously, you've done great work in cataloguing all of these. Yes. Let's let's call it what it is, crime. Yes, it is crime, yeah. Um, and you've got this new campaign that you're yes. trying to get out there, mm-hmm. which is all about giving people advice what to do when they come across these kind of things, yes. um, how to be aware of it. Yes. A big part of your campaign is actually... Letting people know that these situations are often a situation in which you can strike a bargain. You can yes, actually, you know, yes. if, if you're a young farmer with not much money, yes. you can find the suboptimal bulls and and yes. buy a few of them. Mm. And so it's not necessarily all bad news, is it? No, it's not. For a lot of young farmers, this is actually a gateway into really um, building up uh, your bovine collection. I mean, that obviously so doesn't speak. that obviously doesn't uh, apply. I should say, if, if if they do turn out to be two actors in a, in no, a suit. No, no, not at all. In which case, there's there's really no coming back from a deal that bad. But a sort of crap bull can, as you say, can be a sort of gateway into yeah. a successful smallholding. Absolutely. We call it starter bulls. Um, and we've actually made uh, a series of short dialogues that consumers can read, which can help them to practice how to negotiate. Oh, really? Deals. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to have a... Yeah, how, a, if you hand me one of those. We go now, yeah. So it's like a little... Script. It's a script, if you will. Yeah, you can download them on on our website. They're uh, PDFs. So, who am I playing? So, I don't know if you want to play the consumer. Yeah. And I'll play the farmer. Okay. So, here we go. Yeah. Excuse me, this bull that you're selling... What about it? It's got tiny bollocks. It's only got one eye, and one of its legs has been replaced by a wheel. Hey, what, what do you want me to do? Replace its eye with a wheel? That's not going to work. No, no, no. One wheel is enough in this case. Can you do anything on the price? Okay, I'm willing to give you a 10% discount. Right. Right, I see. So I see that. You're, you're, you're using, you're leveraging yes. what you know about that ball. It's what you know, it's what you want, and it's just that sweet spot where they, where they meet, basically. Right, okay. Well, there's another one here. Yeah. Um, 
What's this one about? Okay, so this is so this this basically shows you uh, a negotiating tactic of getting the supplier to throw in some extras. Right. So again, you play the consumer, I'll be the farmer. Okay, here goes. Um, excuse me, I'm interested in buying this bull, but I have some misgivings. Ah, oh, yeah. What seems to be the problem? As far as I can tell, it's just a pig that you've stuck horns on. I'm not paying full price for that. Sorry, mate. I'm not budging on the price. Daddy's got to eat. Okay, well, maybe you could throw in some extras. Ah, go on then. I'll throw in a couple of old sheep and a CD player. It's a deal. Nice doing business with you. Uh huh. Would you ever want to go for a drink or something? No. Interesting. Yeah, so I think what's particularly fascinating with that one is that there really is always room for negotiation, even when you're thinking, you know, this is barely a bull. Hmm. There's always a great area, basically. Because that guy ended up not only with a a bull that, that is a pig, mm. he also ended up with two sheep and, crucially, a CD player. Yes, and the opportunity for a new friendship or maybe more. Yes, well, that, I like the way that you got that yes, in. Yes, yes. Um, although he was quite firm with not wanting to go for a drink with him. He, Yes, yes, but these are flexible. I should point that out. You can make these work, you know, however you need to. And what would you do if you... You know, these dialogues are all well and good. Mm. But what if you get there and the, the thing that the farmer is selling you really is uh, untenable as an animal? So, for example, if it is a couple of actors. I would say in that point, I, I think basically be prepared. It does happen. It has happened and it will happen again. Know what your limits are. Know what you're prepared to do. Know the simple test for the actor, uh, which is to jab in the ribs. And if it is a song or or a very human yelp, don't be afraid to try and yank the head off the bull because that will often reveal a very, very foolish-looking actor. That is, for me, that's that's a go-to. Have you ever yanked the head off a bull and it's turned out to be a real bull? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Well, um, it's been a great pleasure to speak oh, to you, you, Alice. Yes, you as well. And uh, I feel like I've learned a lot and I think our listeners are now armed with everything they need to, to go into the market and purchase themselves those bulls, which at the end of the day, you know, this can all seem quite negative, but yes, we need to yes. remember the positive, which Absolutely. is when you own a bull, how positive that is as an experience. Oh my goodness, it will enrich your life in ways I cannot even describe. Thanks to Alice Bates for that interview. A whole suite of dialogues are available to download from the UK Livestock Market Association website, which will help you learn the best way to negotiate. But don't spend too much time reading them out loud. That takes you perilously close to acting. And on that note, before we go, we have just today received official guidance from the government. It says if you see an actor or actors near your farm or in your local village, call the emergency services immediately. If it is unsafe for you to speak freely, simply use the code phrase, I'd like to order my interval ice cream, please. A fire engine will be there in minutes to pin the actor to the ground with a jet of water from the high-pressure hose. Then the police will handcuff them and take them back to their home environment, the back alleys, buffet restaurants and brothels of London's West End. To identify an actor, look out for the telltale signs. Ragged clothing, floppy hair, a tiny cigarette and a knapsack full of wigs and false whiskers. What you must understand is that for these people, lying is a way of life and impersonating others is their devilish gift. Before you go to sleep tonight, look into your partner's eyes. The bollocks of the face... Are you sure that's still your husband or wife? Might it be an actor trying to wheedle their way into your life? Look at the faces of your children. Think. 
Why did the nurse take them to another room for a few minutes after they were born? Could they have been swapped with a baby actor? So, that's all we've got time for this month. But if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to our website now, where you can read all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, which this month is all in Italian. Pasta Arrabbiata. So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to Freya Parker and Daniel Rigby. And thanks to you for listening. Again, it's Max Fun Drive. I only do this once a year. I'd be really pleased if you'd consider having a look at MaximumFun.org slash donate and think about supporting the show and any of the Maximum Fun shows that you might um, listen to. Obviously, I know that not all of you will and not all of you want to or in a, are in a position to do so. And obviously, that's fine as well. Of course, it is. And if you want to support the show in, in a different way, maybe just tell a friend about it or... Um, maybe post on social media. I mean, that is also super helpful. Or do none of those things. You know, it's a free world. You're a busy person. You've got things to do. You've got cakes to make. You've got floors to wash. I don't know what I, I don't know what kind of image of your life I'm sketching out there. A kind of cake-baking, floor-washing person. I mean, we all do those things occasionally, don't we? I've not baked a cake in years, but I, I wash the floor occasionally. And a huge thank you to those of you who already are supporters and already Maximum Fund members. Um, you are absolute heroes. So there you go. I promise I won't mention money again until 2020. I can't believe we've reached 2020. Like, very recently, it seems like it was 1995. Doesn't that seem very recent to you? Oh, man. Bye. MaximumFun.org slash donate. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.